Today on the news and why it matters, Bernie Sanders lashes out at a top Democratic strategist for daring suggests that he is too extreme. Uh, also, the Trump campaign is destroying fundraising records in the wake of impeachment and the coronavirus. Apparently, it's a lot worse than we thought over there in China. We've got a lot to get into. Hold on to your butts. It starts right now. Welcome to the news and why it matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez today, joined by coronavirus expert Jason Buttrell. Sitting in the big boy chair today. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> I finally, I was tired of people like making a thing about where they sat. I was like, I don't care where you sit, just pick a, pick a spot. I don't, there's no assigned seating, pick a damn spot. And Jason wants to brag that he's in the, in the big boy spot. So, okay, Jason. Gotta do it when I can. Whatever. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. We'll get to you when we get to the uh, coronavirus. Oh, whole pick story. The coronavirus topic, Fine. even though Jason wants to talk about Hope Hicks every chance he can get. Uh, John Ruggio, social media guru of The Blaze, social media coordinator John Ruggio, and political commentator Aubrey Irolls back in studio. It's good, again, yes. to have some estrogen Absolutely. running through the building. Uh, we got a lot to get into. First, we want to thank our sponsor, Rough Greens. So, if you love your dog and you are like me and you pay way too much for their dry dog food, you're like, this is $10 million, so it must be the best thing that I can feed my dog to make sure that they have all of the nutrients that they need. Yeah, well, uh, you're buying stuff that has been sterilized, which means that they are killing all of the good things that your dog needs, like the, uh, the enzymes and the probiotics and the microbacteria, all the things that your dog needs. They're not getting it from that food anymore because it's dead. All right, so this is where Rough Greens by Vitasmart comes in. It is not a dog food. It is a supplement that you sprinkle on top of your dog's food, and it brings back all of those live nutrients that are necessary for your dog's superior health. Again, you could be buying the most expensive dog food on the market, and they are not getting the nutrients that they need that Rough Greens will give them. Also, if you've got a, a picky eater, this is great for picky eaters. The dogs eat it right up. It tastes delicious, and it also makes sure that they are in optimal health. If you want to see your dog thrive again, if you love your dog, really, just go to roughgreens.com slash blaze. That is R-U-F-F greens.com slash blaze, or you can call 833-MY-DOG-33, roughgreens.com slash blaze. I mean, you know, if you love your dog. If you don't like your dog, I guess don't go there. But uh, if you love your dog, if you're a good dog owner, you'll go to uh, Rough Greens. All right. So Bernie Sanders is, uh, he is not happy about some comments made about him uh, by top Democratic strategist James Carville. Now, uh, Bernie issued a response on Anderson Cooper, but let me just go over uh, the initial statement that was made by James Carville. He mm -hmm. said, you know, the turnout in the Iowa caucus was below what we expected, what we wanted. Trump's approval rating is probably as high as it's been. This is very bad. I mean, to him, maybe. Uh, and now it appears the party can't even count on votes. What am I supposed to think? I'll just say it this way. The fate of the world depends on the Democrats getting their S together <laughs> and winning in November. We have to beat Trump. And so far, I don't like what I see. And a lot of people I talk to feel the same way. 
He went on to talk about open borders, decriminalizing illegal immigration. Uh, Bernie Sanders, you know, you've got Bernie Sanders talking about letting criminals and terrorists vote from jail cells. It doesn't matter what you think about any of that or if there are good arguments. Talking about that is not how you win a national election. Well, Bernie was not happy with these comments made by James Carville. He went on Anderson Cooper on CNN, and here is what Bernie had to say in response to the accusation that he is too extreme. James, in all due respect, is a political hack uh, who said very terrible things when he was working for Clinton uh, against Barack Obama. I think he said some of the same things. Uh, look, we are taking on the establishment. This is no secret to anybody. We're taking on the wall. I guess uh, the former head of Goldman Sachs uh, attacked me uh, yesterday. Yeah, he had We're taking on Wall Street. Well. He did. Yeah, Wall Street. And the insurance companies don't like me. And you know what? The pharmaceutical industry, which is charging us 10 times more for the same drugs they sell in Canada, they don't like me either. Nor does the fossil fuel industry, because their product happens to be destroying our planet. Nor does the military industrial complex or the prison industrial complex. We are taking on Trump, the Republican establishment, Carville, and the Democratic establishment. Um, no, it seems to me that I think that, that there's a, an underlying pattern here that just like private companies don't like Bernie Sanders. No one that makes money likes Bernie. <laughs> right. Apparently, capitalists you make don't money. Like Bernie Sanders <laughs> is kind of a theme that I'm sensing here. I'm not too sure that it would be something that I personally would brag about. But hey, I'm not a communist, so what do I know? Uh, Jason, your thoughts? What I love about this is it's it's you're you're getting this rant from. Carvel, but this is like a window into the mind of every single, mm -hmm. probably 90% of Democrats right now. Mm -hmm. And it's actually a small minority, I believe, that are these radical lefties. But for some reason, they've been able to get, you know, they've been, they've been able to make the AOC narrative or the Bernie narrative the, the narrative of the Democratic Party, and everyone kind of sees that. Mm -hmm. And I was, I, was, I was reading this great article about, I think it was New Hampshire, and they were talking about how there was um, voters that, for, for the first time ever, they did not know who they were going to vote for going up to the night of the election. They're like, I don't know. They were, that's how conflicted mm -hmm. they were. There was this one woman was saying, look, if you're advocating for like erasing college debt, which was like half of them up there, then I worked my butt off. Like, I'm a Democrat, but I worked my butt off, you know, to put my kids through college. So she literally did not know who to vote for, going all the way up into the, into the poll. That's how they all are right now. Bernie Sanders got 50% less votes um, in New Hampshire this year, this election, than he did in 2016. He had way more mojo back then. Mm -hmm. But now, then there's a little bit more, you know, competition. They're like, well, crap. Now there's a, there's a choice. I don't have to go to the woman that I think should be in prison. Hillary Clinton, so they all voted for him. Now there's a little bit what they think might be moderate, even though none of them are moderate. Mm -hmm. They've got a few more options. Oh, by the way, Trump got 24% more votes than he did. Right. Well, and, I mean, there is something to be said for that, John, because, you know, he's an incumbent. He's obviously going to win the Republican primary. Yeah. What is the driving force of, you know, people getting up and going yeah. to the polls just to vote for President Trump uh, when he is the incumbent? What do you think? Uh, they're fired up for him. So yeah. <laughs> uh, he's got his base all fired up. Impeachment has definitely fired them up. Mm -hmm. um, I think what you're seeing, though, is a similar thing happening on the left with Bernie Sanders. Because just as Trump harnessed the media hate that a lot of people had, mm -hmm. now that's starting to turn on the Bernie fans. And they're seeing how MSNBC, CNN mm -hmm. are all turning on him and bringing up these old stories and all that kind of stuff. So now they're being like, oh, wait, the media isn't our friend either. So now he's utilizing that same power to...
to push out his vote too. So we'll see if it works. Yeah, which I mean, the, the last people you want uh, with some sort of conspiracy theory against you are the Bernie Bros. Feel, Aubrey. <laughs> they already are. Vicious. They're vicious. They are already, yeah. and maybe rightfully so. They already have some, you know. Uh, bad feelings about 2016 and the mm. way that things got taken from Bernie, how they, you know, that's how yeah. they feel. Um, and that's not really who you want, I think, uh, banging down your door, especially when the uh, field staffers are telling people they're going to go set uh, Milwaukee on fire. But um, what do you make of Bernie trying to uh, respond to James Carville that he is not too extreme? <laughs> I mean, I feel like probably the worst argument to make when you're saying how you're not extreme is how many people hate you. I mean, right? That's a good point. People that are moderate and in the middle usually aren't hated by that many people. Right. And I think what's going on with Bernie is I think he thought that he was going to walk in and the field was going to be his and there weren't going to be any better candidates. And I think as we saw in Iowa where basically him and Buttigieg were tied. Mm -hmm. And I think the entire party went, wow, we never even gave this guy a shot. Mm -hmm. And now what we're seeing is I, I think he's kind of running around like a chicken with his head cut off mm -hmm. and he's freaking out because he has lost his momentum. And I just don't think he's going to get this nomination and that terrifies him. You now, think, go ahead. I just want to say, you think, think how terrified they are of Bernie Sanders winning this nomination. Yeah. There's a very good chance unless Bloomberg just does something crazy on Super Tuesday. I, actually, I think there's a very high chance they go towards a broker convention because it's just going to be so close. Yeah. yeah. Um, but think how terrified they are of running. Imagine running a socialist mm -hmm. against Donald Trump, an angry socialist mm -hmm. against Donald Trump. He's going to eat him alive. And all he has to do is just talk about hit socialism nonstop, hit socialism, 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 mm -hmm. yeah. taking away your choices, all these things. Look, if you're in a, if you're in the middle of the road Democrat, you're going to vote for Trump probably nine times out of ten. Well, and that's what I keep trying to just leave a little bit of room for. You know, you look at Bernie Sanders got, what, 75,000 votes in New Hampshire. Um, and then, you know, but you have to factor in, okay, but this was when the Democrats had different options. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there will be Democrats who voted for Pete Buttigieg, who voted for Amy Klobuchar, who voted for some of the other candidates who will vote for Bernie instead. But, but... They're not going to be passionate voters, right? I don't think that people other than Bernie's rabid base mm. are going to be like, I have to get to the polls come rain, wind or shine with these other uh, with these other candidates if that's who they're backing at this particular time. So I wonder how many of those other voters will actually go out and cast the vote for someone like Bernie if he, in fact, is the uh, the nominee. Yeah, well, it's 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 very telling if you just look like if you look at the 2016 numbers, mm -hmm. you would have thought that Bernie. I mean, he was doing awesome, you know, last right. last election. Mm -hmm. You would have thought that since Clinton's not there, he would have picked up a lot of that. But I mean, even though Clinton, I felt weird calling some of these candidates moderates. Um, because none of There's them are. There's nothing else to call them, There's right? Like else to call the them. most moderate possible candidate. Yeah, okay, like that's also how they available. move the opportune window because yeah, they will yeah. now say these people are the moderates, and if we just accept that, then the next cycle it's going to move even further to the left. So right. uh, they actually call uh, Tulsi Gabbard a moderate. Yeah. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like she, she joined the Bernie Sanders campaign yes. in 2016. Yes. I yeah. mean, she wants the same thing as all of them, universal health care, everything. And there, I, there's, 
I can't think of one single moderate. It's crazy. I do think, too, that um, what's scary is that I think Buttigieg is being kind of portrayed as yeah. some sort of moderate-ish alternative to crazy socialist yeah. Bernie Sanders. And when you look at his policies, they are not what you would call moderate in any sort of objective sense. Uh, all right, just for funsies, let's play uh, this Bernie Sanders montage. You know, he says he's not extreme. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm just, it's just that I just want all of these normal, rational things for America. Yet, um, apparently they were able to make a montage that shows, basically he just loves communism and commies. Watch. You know, it's funny, sometimes American journalists talk about how bad a country is because people are lining up for food. That's a good thing. In other countries, people don't line up for food. The rich get the food and the poor starve to death. You know, as, as a socialist, the word socialism does not frighten me. I think when we were in Moscow, for example, I think most of the people here also were extremely impressed by their public transportation system. The stations themselves were absolutely beautiful, uh, including many works of art, chandeliers that were beautiful. It was a very, very effective system. Also, I was impressed by the youth programs that they have, uh, their palaces of, of, of culture for, for the young people, a whole variety of, young, uh, of programs for young people, and cultural programs which go far beyond what we do in this country. To China and its leadership, is if I'm not mistaken, they have made more progress in addressing extreme poverty than any country in the history of civilization. Okay, so they've done a lot of things for their people. Aubrey, I can't think of anything or anyone who is more out of touch with uh, what communism and socialism actually means. I really think he's just preying on the fact that his rabid base doesn't know history very well. Yeah. I mean, there's no way you can look at these regimes, and that's really the best name for them when he tries to act like some of them were kind of democratic. Mm -hmm. You can't, there's no way a rational human being can look at that and go, this is a system that we should emulate. It's insanity. I actually wonder whether or not he's got a mental illness at this point. It's crazy. <laughs> his, well, his, his fan base, uh, they believe in a revisionist history. Yeah. So like, to them, they remember history, but it's a like, like gulags, like we saw with that Project Veritas. They thought that was a good thing. Mm -hmm. They thought the CIA distorted what that was. Never mind that I think around, it was estimated 10 million people died in the gulag. But, you know, what, whatever's good for re-education. They were also talking about, like, construction projects. I can't remember the specific one he said, but... I looked it up, and there was, again, millions of people that were forced into the labor to do those projects. Mm -hmm. But, of course, when you're part of a collective, it don't, it don't matter. Mm. You know? Whatever's best for the overall collective, we have to lose t 2 million people. That's that system. Yeah. All right, back in a minute. Breadlines one kills me. I know. Gemma. Before we get back into the conversation, we would like to thank our new sponsor of the show, Bambi. So Bambi is there for those of you who maybe you run a small business or a medium-sized business and you realize that when you run your business, HR issues can literally be the death of your company. So, you know, maybe you have a wrongful termination suit, minimum, minimum wage, wage requirements, I can't speak today, labor regulations, um, and it's really hard to get an HR manager in there. The salaries are not cheap. There's, you're talking about an average of $70,000 a year. Uh, so Bambi, that is spelled B-A-M-B-E-E, -E, was created specifically for you, the small business owner. They have dedicated HR managers. They can craft HR policy. They maintain your compliance. They do all of these HR things. And by the way, 
If you offer insurance to your employees, um, because I deal with this all the time in my my other job as an insurance broker, um, it's so hard to, to work with the small businesses. You've got a small business. It's the same person doing payroll, uh, you know, HR, office manager, and they don't know what the rules are. They have no idea what they're doing. You can help this person in your office and make sure that you protect your company from any unwanted lawsuits. You can go to Bambi. Go to Bambi, B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash matters. You can schedule a free HR audit right now. That is Bambi.com slash matters right now to schedule your free HR audit. All right, this is starting at $99 a month you can get their service. It's a free HR audit, but $99 a month starting at to get this service that is going to protect you guys, make sure that you guys are in compliance with all HR matters is totally worth it. Bambi.com slash matters. Go there now to schedule your free HR audit. And I'm not talking like Bernie Sanders free. I'm talking like for real free. Okay. Uh, All right. Before we move on to the Republican side of the 2020 election, Joe Biden. Joe Biden is having a very tough week. Uh, Obviously, he had disastrous results in Iowa and then again in New Hampshire. And he just said, I'm just going to go on to South Carolina. I know we had an event planned in New Hampshire, but uh, (laughs) we're just going to keep pushing on. Uh, God bless him. He still has very positive outlook. He was just on The View today saying he is going to be the candidate to defeat Donald Trump. I'm not really sure how that happens, but I mean, hey, it's not impossible. I'm not saying it couldn't. I don't personally see the path for it. And uh, apparently a lot of his big time Democratic donors are now prepared to jump ship and throw their money behind someone else. So he's got a lot of New York heavyweights that have been donating to his uh, to his campaign, presumably because he is the establishment candidate. You know, so he would be the one that they would back uh, that they would back. And one of the donors said there's a great deal of concern. It wasn't expected that he would perform great in Iowa or New Hampshire, but we did not anticipate that he would fare this poorly. (laughs) It was a significant decline. Another one said, this is horrendous. We're all scared. I think we're going to make it to South Carolina. I know we're supposed to say we're going to and we're going to win, but I just don't know. (laughs) That was apparently from an advisor, which I don't think that's what you want in your campaign if your advisors are like, I mean, we're supposed to say, yeah, go Joe, but I don't think it's going to happen. Jason, your thoughts? Uh, oh, the writing is on the wall. Uh, if you go by historic precedent, this is you've never lost both states mm-hmm. and then become the nominee. Yeah, which is but this is weird. I would be advising him to stay in it because, like, I am utterly shocked that he screwed this up this badly. I, and Are I, you though? I'm gonna own it. Remember, I, I've yes. been saying since the beginning that I thought he could literally s- s- fall asleep on the debate stage and walk away with this nomination. Well, maybe he should have. Mm. Maybe he should have. <laughs> then he wouldn't have looked as incompetent. Right. Yeah, because it did seem like he couldn't even form a sentence. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm utterly shocked. I, I don't think... I don't think he's going to continue to do this badly. The amount of delegates that have been doled out is actually very, very minuscule. Mm-hmm. So he does have a shot if he can turn something around somehow once they go into Super Tuesday. 
But I mean, he's donors. He's he. This is the weird thing about Sanders' campaign. I'm, I'm sorry, Biden's campaign is he's never even really cared about fundraising. Yeah, mm. it was from the get go. He didn't yeah. really have much money. Didn't really care. We were like, does he even really want to does run? He, for right. <laughs> Every time he was asked to make his case for why you should vote for him, he was like, nah, yeah. pass. He might be asking his donors to back away. Like, guys, yeah. give me, throw me a bone here. I want out of this. I just want to go home. <laughs> I just want to go home, please. <laughs> I just want to sleep. Really, honestly, uh, John, what are your thoughts? It's hard to feel bad for Joe Biden because <laughs> everyone told him not to do it. Obama said, Joe, you don't have to do this, but right. he did it anyway. And uh, now we're seeing what happens when he runs. So I think the bigger issue, though, is when you have moderates like Klobuchar or Pete Buttigieg, moderates. Yeah, thank you. They're not going to get <laughs> any play until Joe Biden drops out or they're, mm-hmm. they're not going to see that rise that they really need. So if Joe Biden doesn't drop out, it's probably going to be Bernie Sanders. Who do, so John brings up a good point. Who do you see Joe Biden's people going to once he does finally, I mean, obviously he's going to have to drop out of the race pretty soon, right? Once, once he finally drops out of the race, who do his supporters go to? I think they're going to Buttigieg. Okay. I think that Bernie is so far out there for that group of people, and I believe that's one of the reasons why Biden even ran is they're looking at the field going, hey, we need somebody who's kind of here in the middle who mm. isn't really speaking the crazy commie stuff. And he jumped up because, again, I don't think they thought that Mayor Pete was going to do as well as he's doing. Mm-hmm. So I really do think that those people go over to him. If Do you, do you think any go to Klobuchar, Jason? Mm. From Biden? Yeah. Uh, I probably would agree with Buttigieg, yeah. which is this is hilarious because... Mayor who? Like, has <laughs> anyone ever heard of this guy before that? But that's how hilarious this Which, feels, how screwed they are. You, you've got a socialist, uh, another socialist, uh, Warren, and then you've got a, um, some small town mayor no one's heard of. Mm-hmm. And then you got Klobuchar. Right. I mean, oh my gosh. Like, Trump's got to be like... He didn't drink, but he's got to be sipping it a little bit. Like, all right. Which that's what I mean. I got to hand it to Biden. His attack ad on Pete Buttigieg was it was hilarious. <laughs> he's like Joe Biden was out there being the vice president, and doing all these vice presidential things, and Pete Buttigieg was the mayor hanging lights. <laughs> so, and it's you really yeah. you listen to it, and you're like. Wow, this doesn't make me want to vote for Biden, but man, it makes Pete Buttigieg yeah. look really bad. Um, so we d- we kind of touched on the you know the Trump campaign, how well they're doing right now. Just judging off of um, how many people came out and voted for him as the incumbent in New Hampshire, uh, his fundraising kind of shows the same tune. It is off to a staggeringly good start in 2020. They are shattering fundraising records. Pro-Trump groups raised over $60 million in January. They have more than $200 million on hand. Um, and these actually, just for comparison purposes, they double what former President Barack Obama's campaign and the DNC had at the same point in 2012. So you know who saw those numbers also? Nancy Pelosi, once they were, she was like holding on to those articles of impeachment. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, I don't know if I should take, yeah, maybe we should just rip those bad boys up. This is what you get. Yeah. Yes. This is what you get. Hashtag resist gave you this. Yep. Lay with it. I love it. Yeah. John? Yeah, I mean, I don't know which candidate is going to be able to get that same type of money that right. Trump is getting. I mean, yep. Biden, his donors are already fleeing. And then Bernie's donors are mostly small donors. And yes. same thing with Warren. They live in their so. parents' basement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's hard to imagine who's going to get the war chest that Trump has and be able to compete. So. Well, Warren's are, you, you know, there was that story yesterday that Warren went on television and said, uh, well, 
I just got a $3 donation from someone who said that she only had $6 in her bank account, but she wanted to give me something. And I'm like, lady, give that woman her money back. That is not a good investment. And also very indicative of how she would like to run the federal government. It's just like, we don't have the money, but we're going to do it anyway. Uh, Aubrey, really quickly, what do you make of Trump's uh, fundraising? I think it's the impeachment effect. I really think that was one of the stupidest things that they could have done. And I just think they cannot see through their just blind hatred for him. And I'm not saying there's not good reasons to hate him because there certainly are. Mm -hmm. But they just went full force on this thing. And I don't think they realized that that was just going to take the base and they were going to go, all right, this guy has to win now. We have to defeat these Democrats. Yeah, I tend to agree with you guys. I think uh, it was a major misstep on their part and they will suffer the consequences at the ballot box in November. Back in a minute. Did you see this clip? Before we go into overtime, if you missed it yesterday, we are doing a anniversary contest for the News and Why It Matters. Yesterday was our two-year anniversary of the show, and in honor of that, we are doing a merch giveaway. So, write this down. All right, you ready? You you have to. John Ruggio is laughing. I've done it. He, he did do it, and yeah. he, he screenshotted the worst picture of me ever and put it all over Twitter. Thanks a lot. I don't even know why you're on today. Uh, but all you have to do to enter the contest to win a T-shirt, a hat, or a mug from our Blaze Media shop, we've got all sorts of stuff there. It doesn't have to be show-related. You can pick which kind of t-shirt, hat, or mug you want. All you got to do is go to wherever you get your audio podcast and hit subscribe to the news and why it matters. Take a screenshot of that. Tweet it to the hashtag news and why contest. That is news and why contest. By the way, additional bonus entry if you rate and review it. Take a picture of that too. Add it onto it. And an additional bonus entry on top of that if you go subscribe to Sarah Gonzalez Unfiltered on YouTube. That's three entries per person. We're making it really easy for you guys, all right? News and Why Contest. Go submit your entry now. Up next, enjoy bonus overtime content from the News and Why It Matters. Available exclusively for podcast listeners and Blaze TV subscribers. Not a subscriber? Start your free trial at blazetv.com. The coronavirus. I know we keep covering it on the show, and I have been one to say, I don't think it's a big deal. I think you guys are making it into a bigger deal than it is. It, it sounds like a big deal in China. Okay, don't get me wrong. Um, but as far as the United States goes, we have adequate medical care. You know, we've got a better protocol system in place. Also, we're not like largely corrupt and trying to hide things from other countries, uh, which also helps. But it just sounds like it keeps getting worse and worse. Uh, the number of the coronavirus cases in China exploded today. Uh, they said there are 15,000 new cases and 242 new deaths after health officials broadened the types of cases that they included in their count. Um, previously, they were only counting cases confirmed by nucleic acid tests. Um, and uh, now they have changed how they are reporting it uh, to try to make it more accurate. And as it turns out, there are a lot more cases uh, than previously thought. Jason, I know that you are looking into the coronavirus for Glenn, one of Glenn's 
is it next week that next you're doing Wednesday, a special? Yeah. Okay, so next Wednesday you guys are doing a special on the coronavirus. So I know that you are on all of this right now. Um, I don't want you to get in trouble for sharing information, but let me just ask you this to open up uh, to the floor. How, how concerned should we be here in the United States, especially considering there's someone in San Antonio who mm. just tested positive for coronavirus and uh, we're in Dallas? I'm concerned. I will okay. say that. Um, I'm not at freak out level, yeah. but I'm concerned. And everything that I've been digging up is I completely believe that China is covering multiple things up. Mm -hmm. There was a tweet from a Fox News correspondent today that said the Trump administration, uh, a source within the Trump administration told them that China was off on their numbers, or they're misreporting their numbers, right. to, of just the confirmed cases by at least 100,000. I think probably just 100, even 100,000, though. Just 100,000, oh, which oh, would please. put, so that Good would put deal. the cases around 160,000, but I think it's even worse than that. So um, they also said they were way off on the reporting of their uh, death numbers as well. I'm getting videos. I've been scrolling, trying to find some of these videos. There's a lot of funeral workers within China that are blowing the whistle. And they've been releasing a lot of videos saying, look, you know, we're getting, you know, we need 100 body bags a day to process the dead that we're getting from this so that we can cremate them. A hundred a day. So if you just think about 30 days, hundred day, you know, carry and the this one. this is just in one area? Yeah, that's just, yeah, that's one, that's one facility in one town. Yeah. And so that, that's 3,000 deaths just with this one facility. Now there's multiple other facilities and towns and places where this is at. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I'm concerned. We just interviewed a, a doctor that was just in China. And he came back and he's under, he's under quarantine right now. And he was trying to put it into perspective. He goes, he goes if this does go global, there's a vast majority of the, of the population, the world population that could be exposed to this. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I mean, you're not looking at, you know, Spanish flu of 1918 type deaths. But, you know, if there's 30,000 people that die of the regular flu in the United States every year, you'll be looking at another 30 to 60,000 deaths mm -hmm. from this flu. Mm -hmm. Which, when you look at you know numbers in general, that's not huge. But you're starting to look at all of the. I mean, actually, sixty thousand extra people dying of, of a disease is a disaster. Yeah. So that's what the world is looking at right now, and that's why they're so you know adamant about containing this thing, especially before it mutates and turns into something even more deadly. Mm. John, are you concerned? I am now. Uh <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't before. Thanks a lot, Jason. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I'm going to Japan in a month, so I'm a little oh. bit more worried. Are those um, refundable tickets? Do we know? We'll see. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like you were saying with the Chinese government, I mean, there's not a lot we can trust there coming out from them. And, I mean, we've seen reports of the doctor who blew the whistle on this died. Uh, some uh, major reporter who was covering this in China has gone missing. So there's a lot. The information that's out there right now is kind of untrustworthy, but... If we find out that another 100,000 people have died of this, it's going to be huge. And it's going to, I would say that China's going to have to bear responsibility for covering it up as well. Um, yeah. So. yeah. What do you think, Aubrey? I think I usually deny a lot of stuff like that because I feel like, oh, it's so far away. Me but too. I think I'm at the point where I think I'm just going to go to the store and just get some water and some non-perishables. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. what happens if it comes to Dallas and they say, everybody stay in your homes for the next month? Mm -hmm. You know, that's the type of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm work. sorry. Did I? I guess I didn't bring any for anyone else. I'm very sorry. But uh, I'll, I'll just be sitting here uh, not getting coronavirus. That's what's so ridiculous. The mask thing is so <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. Work. I've been, yeah, I've been told that the mask that they use over there and they're so adamant about, hey, put your mask on. Put your, it's all smoke right. and mirrors that does not protect them. Well, 
obviously. Obviously. Thank right. you, because they all wear them. And they always get sick. Oh, yeah. yeah. Every major virus, they get sick. I know. Come on. I, is it, these are like for dust particles, not yeah. germs. There was a video that was going around Twitter, and it was like a mist machine in China, and it was like a decontamination mist that they established that people can walk through to decontaminate themselves from the virus. Oh. But it's also like, what's in that what mist? Is, yeah, yeah, what is yeah. that mist? I don't trust China blowing mist on it. No. Yeah. Who knows no. what they're putting in that concoction? Just to exp uh, describe some of these videos, we're going to play these next Wednesday. But some of these videos from these funeral workers, there's just one, right? So there's just one funeral worker that's going in to pick up uh, bodies to take to their cremation facility. Mm -hmm. He walks in and he, he pans the, his, I guess, his cell phone camera to the right, and you see a pile of like eight bodies in body in yellow body bags, just piled up. Then he turns and he's right there in the waiting room. There's so many bodies in the waiting room. You know those little seats that you kind of, when you're at a hospital waiting room, you can lay down on yeah. they're long? There's bodies piled on top of those seats in body bags, and the people that are sick waiting to see the doctor are sitting around the bodies like this. Oh now, just seeing those, and you know yeah. that they are skimping on those numbers. Yes. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's all too painfully obvious. Well, and then, so before we move on, I, you know, they keep saying that it originated from bat soup, <laughs> which... I'm sorry, I, China, you're, the people are great, the culture is great, why you gotta eat bats, is all I'm saying. So we, now, we, we know now they're lying about that as well. Okay. Mm. This is maybe one of the most scariest things, is either they literally don't know where it started, and they just said, hey, we think that because a lot of cases happen in this, you know, uh, this food market, mm -hmm. we're just gonna say ground zero was there. But now there is an actual, there's a, there's a study by actual medical doctors in China that are saying, look, patient zero Never did even went even there. there. Mm -hmm. So where the heck else did he go? Yeah. Where else is this breaking out from? But also, can I just say, I still have questions about the bat soup that they're eating. <laughs> yeah, like, is it fried? Like, I'm right. not, I'll maybe fried. go there if it's fried. Oh, so, Jason. You know, I, what, I what can you not eat fried? A video <laughs> of, I don't know what part of Asia it was, but they were eating, like, live mice with chopsticks. Ew. Well, I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just yeah. saying. Can racist. you just you eat normal food like the rest of us? If you want to call me a racist, fine. Send me hate mail. I don't care. Can you just stop eating bats and mice? <laughs> like, that's what snakes eat. Okay? So, uh, just saying for the record. Uh, a controversial video posted earlier this week shows a woman from the, uh, she's a student at the University of Virginia, uh, at the school's newly opened Multicultural Student Center, making what she says was a public service announcement. Um, I don't even know how to set this one up, so I'm just going to go ahead and play the clip, and uh, please make sure your head does not explode when you watch this. Public service announcement. Excuse me. If y'all didn't know, this is the MSC, and frankly, there's just too many white people in here, and this is a space for people of color. So just be really cognizant of the space that Virginia. you're taking up, because it does make some of us POCs uncomfortable when we see too many white people in here. It's only been open for four days, hmm. and frankly, there's the whole university for a lot of y'all to be at, and there's very few spaces <laughs> for us. So keep that in mind. Thank you. In honor, in honor of Black History Month, man, Martin Luther King would have been so pleased to hear uh, this African-American woman standing up calling for literal segregation. I just, I, like, I can't.
John, I can't. Yeah, this is every college now. I mean, yeah. this isn't just the coasts and like the crazy like leftist college you think of. This is mainstream colleges. I mean, I went to SMU and we had stuff like that all the time. Really? Yeah. And the thing is, like, it's a multicultural center. That doesn't mean just black people. Thank you. <laughs> that was my first thing. When I heard that, I'm like, multicultural? There could be like Swedish people here who yeah. want, you know, they have a culture too. That Like, there mm. are plenty of white ethnicities that still have a different yeah. culture than someone else that could be represented in a multicultural center. Mm -hmm. Well, multicultural typically means non-Western, non-white. That's what, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's multicultural. That's what that means to them. Not to actually them. inclusive. Right, yeah. well, to them. right, to them. Mm -hmm. Aubrey, what's your take? I mean, I get nervous in big groups of white people too, so she's not alone. <laughs> <laughs> Just being honest here. Um, Self-loathing. I want, maybe, maybe. <laughs> I wonder if there was a miscommunication. Maybe it was supposed to be set up as an area where people of color were supposed to exclusively been there, and it wasn't. If that happened, I feel like maybe that's a miscommunication. They need to talk about it. But, but hold on, but hold on. If that happened, is that not racist segregation on part of the POCs excluding white people? I mean, aren't we supposed to, didn't we learn anything from Martin Luther King that we are not supposed to judge based on the color of the skin, but instead by the content of their character? So even if it was a miscommunication, is that acceptable? Well, I think given the history there, you kind of have to look at racism a little bit differently when it's, you know, people of color saying something about white people. But I know for me, if I were there in that center and she was giving that speech, if I knew that there were that many people there that were uncomfortable, why am I going to stay somewhere where I'm not wanted? So I feel like a lot of this is you can just self-regulate this and self-separate if that's how you want to live your life. If you want to segregate forever, go ahead and do it. But creating all these boundaries and all these rules and all these centers, I, I don't think that's the answer. Yeah, I, It's just hard for me to understand how we navigate in a world in which I am responsible for other people's feelings, right? Mm. Like, there's always going to be some, Jason's uncomfortable with me right now <laughs> for multiple reasons. I ain't going anywhere because Jason's little feelings are hurt. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And he's just going to have to learn to put on his big boy pants and deal with it. So I just, I worry about the mentality that it is our responsibility to make sure that no one feels uncomfortable because as we've seen, I think, lately, um, that kind of term... Uh, gets kind of manipulated and overused and exaggerated, and it ain't for good purposes. I are, can tell you that. Are sane people on college campuses that ballsy, or do this not exist? Because uh, my, you would think that someone would stand up and, and call be like, her out. Could you stop being racist? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, what, I mean, I guess this is yeah. a better question for you to answer. There, there's <laughs> student groups that embolden them and to feel like they can go out there and say this kind of thing and face no repercussion. So it's these little echo chambers where they're kind of filling them with activism and progressive ideology and then... And it sounded like she probably had a, a, lot, a bunch of her friends who were already there encouraging It looked her like her friend was filming it. Yeah, ready, right. Like you're not just randomly filming so and like, oh, this person... Good. Yeah. Right, yeah. exactly. So, I mean, that's probably where the, the cheers came from. But uh, yesterday's poll with Andrew Yang, Michael Bennett, who... And Deval Patrick out of the 2020 race, who will be the next Democrat to drop out? Uh, 54, 55% of you said Tom Steyer, followed by, this is a very close second and third place, Joe Biden at 22.8% and Elizabeth Warren at 22.7%. I, you know, the, uh, the the guests that I had yesterday, they said, 
I don't know, maybe uh, Warren, you know, I don't, because Steyer's got all this money to throw around. And I was like, yeah, but if you've got the money and you know you're not going to win, why do you continue wasting the money? You want to keep the money for yourself, especially if someone like Bernie gets elected. You're going to need your money. What do you think, Jason? Yeah, I, 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 I agree with Steyer probably being next. I just don't see what else he has to gain from this. Mm-hmm. Warren, I... He's been on the debate stage, mm-hmm. and still people are like, who's that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's been in debates. He's just a Bernie fanboy. He's just trying to glom onto yeah. Bernie's ideology, yeah. and it, they don't like him. He's a billionaire. Yeah. No, that's so, great. That's really true. I, I think I think Warren has got a lot more in it to stay in it, yeah. because she's got another election in her if she wants to run. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, not God. so for Biden. There's no, there's nothing in it for Biden to stick around. You're going to have to sit through him. another Warren presidential run? Oh, I, I, I don't doubt Probably. it. Probably. I don't doubt it. That's depressing. What do you you agree with Steyer? I don't see why somebody like that would still be in it. I mean, take care of your ego a little bit at this point. Admit defeat and just drop out and take your money somewhere else. Yeah. Unless you got something else going on, like the Beto thing made perfect sense to me because he's just advertising for something in the future. Yeah. Steyer, what's he advertising in the future for? He knows he's not going to win. You know. That's a great point. Uh, Today's poll: Who scares the Democratic Party more, Bernie or Trump? That's a good one, John. I come up with a poll. Yeah, that's a good. That, so all poll complaints can be directed to John Ruggio. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, that's a really good one. Who scares the Democratic Party more, Bernie or Trump? Oh, absolutely, Bernie, Bernie? Sanders. Yeah, Trump. They Trump. They got a glimpse of what they can get with him when they yeah. signed the uh, USMCA deal. So all you have to do is you have to compliment him. And then just give him something so that he can sign a bill and claim victory. Mm-hmm. Like they could get so much done with Trump. They just don't. They're just being stupid with the resist stuff. Mm-hmm. So they can work. They actually can work with Trump while publicly denouncing him. But Bernie Sanders is going to. He's an ideologue that can remake the entire party. They got to be frightened over yeah. him. What do you think, John? Yeah. Or is this a conflict of interest for you to answer your own question? A little bit. Um, <laughs> I do think that, I'm going to get a lot of hate for saying this, but Trump has pulled the party left in a lot of ways. So I don't see them looking at, I don't see the Democratic Party looking at Trump like mm-hmm. a, a threat a threat to them. I think they're still going to exist after Trump. I think with Bernie, mm. Bernie could be the destruction of the Democratic Party. New parties emerge after just an absolute failure in the 2020. What do you mean? We're at record low spending. What do you mean spend time <laughs> further to the left? Yes, Aubrey. I think they love to hate Bernie. And I think that some of them are even looking at him as a good thing because I think they're foreseeing a party split mm-hmm. and going, hey, if we can force all these really severe left people out of here and we can come back to a more truly Democrat party. Mm-hmm. So I actually think some of them are secretly cheering on Bernie to you know, tear the party apart quicker. Huh. <laughs> Interesting takes over yep. here at the table. Let us know what yours is. You can go to the Blaze's Twitter. That is at the Blaze. Thank you for being here. Thank you. We'll see you tomorrow. It's funny. The- Which is wait. Tomorrow's Friday. Tomorrow's Friday. Guys. <sighs> <Got> oh. <laughs> Two leaders of that movement. Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.